to the Golf Barons podcast, Tenuous Links, a golf pun we're not only incredibly proud of, but one we're also sure to emulate. Let us careen through bloviated opinions on all things golf, some outrageous innovation ideas to speed up the game, a few laughs, and an historical retelling of an iconic golf moment. Time to add some swagger to your swing. Welcome, Barons. Today's Tenuous Links podcast is brought to you by Ping, makers of the finest golf equipment you can find. A family company with family values, Ping has been a supporter of Golf Barons and what we've been bringing to golf from the very outset. A great brand filled with great people. Why not do some window shopping online at ping.com to check out the latest range of Ping golf equipment. Now on today's show, and once again, we have both Davin and Philbert in our virtual studio Gents, welcome back for another chat. Good to see you both. Good to see you both. Clearer than ever. All very clear. You boys, how are you boys surviving uh, the incessant kid-related onslaught at the moment at home? It's a, it's a challenge. It is a, certainly a challenge. <laughs> I thought you were about to launch a self-help course, then, Damo. How we how to survive it? But no, no. well, I thought. I thought it was the perfect intro into our hates for this week, boys. (laughs) I'm going to throw first to you, Philip. Have you got something that's upset you? Funnily enough, Damien, this is the easiest section for me to ever come up with. Um, (laughs) And I'm going to say it's waiting. And obviously, I've got a a penchant for not waiting, hence my playthrough flag, genius idea, or sitting behind a group of four during the famous last round at Moonerit. The National, even though you weren't allowed to play in any more than groups of three by club rules. Anyway, that's an issue for them. Ooh, but I'm looking for I'm looking for a sign. I'm looking for an outcome for golf. I want to know when golf is given the green light, particularly in our poor little state of Victoria, I want golf back. I touted an idea of around April 20 or something or April 30. It could have been April 40, the way things are going. It all seems a bit confusing. I want golf back. I'm sick of waiting. Sick of waiting. I don't, I don't blame you. We're all getting a little bit itchy. Dav, anything that's uh, upset you this well, week, hate-wise? My, my hate probably stems from my love, to be honest, and that is, as you guys have seen, I've, I, we spoke about it last week, and I've mustered up the motivation to pull out my practice net, and I'm thoroughly enjoying hitting balls. It Let is, me guess, it is, is it a quick-to-range net by any chance? Eight <laughs> foot, eight foot, eight meter, eight meter. If it was eight feet, my neighbors would be having an issue with me right now. Eight meter, quick-to-range net. And the thing that I hate is people within games that, that should know better that are of the opinion that technique shouldn't be taught strictly and that you should let people come in and just use their natural swing and that is that is basically what you teach. And I've seen it in other sports and I know that Kipper has certain feelings about it as well. But let me tell you that if I trusted my natural swing, I wouldn't last five minutes and I'd be out of there. So I, I, I hate when people think and they use kind of examples at, on, at the professional level. This person has an unorthodox swing. This person has an unorthodox kicking style, whatever it is. They're the exceptions to the rule in my view, and I need hope. I need to be given something. If someone says, you're crap because you're bending your arm or you're lifting your head or you're swinging your ass, whatever it is, I need to know that there's something that I can fix <laughs> to get better. <laughs> Don't swing your ass up. 
Yeah. So first thing is first, Av, I'm pretty sure the quickest range net is only eight foot. <laughs> yeah, <that's right>. <laughs> <laughs> uh, an eight meter one eight <laughs> could feet. be. Uh, I think that's considered a driving range. But <laughs> no, you're right about that. <laughs> eight, eight meters, God, is, you know, eight, eight feet just doesn't feel like enough. So getting, but getting back to it, you, so you're not a fan no. of homegrown swings. So you, you're not a fan of the the Bubba Watsons and the, well, even the Ricky Fowlers to a degree. The, no, the Lee Trevino. I'm not saying I'm not a fan Jack of Nicholas? them. I'm saying you wow. know, they're, they're, they're great, but. But they shouldn't. But this they is in your hate. They, it shouldn't be taught that way. <laughs> yeah. I'm saying it shouldn't be taught that way. They are the exceptions to the rule. They are making everybody worse by giving everyone the impression that you can just waltz up and swing however you want. And and it's it, you know it's your technique. No, there needs to be a fundamental way to execute a skill and let these guys be the freaks of nature that can just do it wrong and still hit the ball well. You know, and, and I think. It applies to, to, to all sports. When there's a skill execution required, there, sh- there should be a technique that is taught for the average person that needs it, that needs something fundamental in order to improve and get to a level that is elite. Discuss. So, Dave, I am going to discuss this because you've you've got me in big time. So, the first thing I'll talk about is is because we have to always bring this back to basketball. Oh, please don't. You would, you would think, therefore, there would be a consistent shooting technique, but the best shooters of all time have some traits in common and some actions in common, but the entire action itself is not the same as each other. So, for example, you know, whether you talk about Michael Jordan or LeBron James, you talk about Kevin Durant, you talk about... Ray Allen, you talk about all these guys, you know, the greatest shooters, Pete Maravich, the greatest shooters of all time, all potentially share, say, a release point in common, but how they got to that release point and in terms of effort from the ground up and jumping and all the rest of it, just cutting to the chase are not always consistent. I had this conversation, before I give you a chance to answer because I'm on a bit of a roll, but I had this conversation with a golf pro and it was a really straightforward answer that he gave me and I was referring to work experience kid, Domo. Okay, yeah. And and work experience kid was looking to get a lesson with this golf pro. And I said, look, he's actually – the backswing's really good. He's in all the right positions and he gets it all in the right positions. And and this golf pro, who may or may not have the name David Diaz, said to me, you don't make any any money with a backswing. And I think the point there is that, Dav, to your point, there are some certain positions you need to be in. The backswing create – potentially create some, potentially make it more difficult. But you need to be at impact Mm. in a perfect position – to do it consistently. And if you look at all these players, even with their obscure swings at impact, there is a commonality that they've all got in terms of hand position and hip position and, and rotation. Other than Damo, as you've mentioned a few times over the journey, this head rotation thing, which is a mm-hmm. an interesting one in itself. But at the risk of giving Kipra some credibility here, um, I had a good chat, chat with him about this sort of a thing as well. And he was saying that in the end, it, it just doesn't matter it doesn't matter what happens on the way back so long as a couple of key things happen, which is more to your point, Phil, that you're saying. Impact position, sure, that's an that's probably the most – well, he said that's the most important thing. But you can come over the top and still drop and still drop inside or you can come out – like a lot of the best swingers going around would come over the top technically, but they're still shallowing out their swing. And he, he explained it to me and he actually, it made sense when he showed it to me. It's a little hard to explain for me who's not – or don't deal within the, the biomechanics of it all. But he he's a big believer that you can have a whole heap of different styles of swings so long as a couple of key points are met, and that's and fundamentally that is your impact position. <laughs> Over to me. Oh, okay. Well, look to to uh, I think the 
the issue is that you guys are talking from an individual standpoint, which is which is fair enough. But but to again bring it back to basketball, <laughs> please don't. Well, well, please well, do go on. If Deb. you talk about a collective group, the Europeans are far and away the best shooters collected as, as a collective as a continent. <laughs> the Europeans, there's, there's there's multiple, there's many different races over there in Europe. Slight differences, but they are the they, they are easily the best shooting part of the world when it comes to basketball because they are all taught to shoot the same way. So, as a collective, they are forwards, forwards centers, guards. Shooting no, forwards. I meant shooting forwards. That's all right. Oh, look, I'm, just, I'm sure they're pretty good at shooting over their heads as well. A lot of dictators so believe in is, that. What I'm saying is uh, teaching as a collective, doing it in a uniform, a uniform unified way is, is getting results in that place. So I think you might say that it's important to be in a certain position at the point of impact, and you say the same thing, Phil, about shooting. But biomechanically, to shoot a ball, it has to leave your hand at some point, and your arm has to straighten at some point for you to be able to release it, and your hand has to snap at some point. I'm saying the the, the bits to get to that point are also important because if you're doing certain things that don't allow you to consistently – get to the the place you need to be at the key moment, if you don't have those in place as well, then there's going to be far more variability, far more variation in the individual level, but also as a population, as a collective group of people. If that's the way we're teaching our golfers in this country, we're going to find far more variability across the board because everyone, we're not controlling the elements, the biomechanical elements of the action. Sorry, you go, Phil. <laughs> <laughs> No, I was just going to use to- the um, I was going to use the the basketball analogy again. I've had the pleasure of observing an NBA shooting coach at Coach Dave Love, who, by the way, is a guru. But your point's bang on, which is that here are the fundamentals that must be taught. And I think what happens in golf is that everyone sees the ability to create a different angle, and therefore they pursue it. And so, if I was starting the game, and it was funnily enough one of the game changes we've got coming up, but if I was starting the game again, you now you have to choose a technique that you want to follow and then pursue that. You had stack and tilt and you had Gary Edwin's method and you had all these other things as opposed, Dave, to your point of saying, look, fundamentally, let's get everybody into – if everyone must share an impact position, let's pursue how do we get every beginner into this impact mm. position yeah. and build it back. And I think this is what has happened in shooting. And, and again, if you go to and look at Coach Dave Love, he, he's crystal clear on the fact that there are these are the commonalities to your point, and there'll be always be exceptions. And there's guys like Sean Marion who made it to the NBA shooting interestingly but effectively, but it, it ultimately will let you down when you're under the pressure. And golf is a game where there's more pressure than anything because everyone is waiting for you within your group to hit that golf ball yeah. towards a target that is smaller than any other any other sport. So I think it's an excellent point, Duff. But but hasn't the criticism been Phil for for several years now that golfers that are coming that are coming out and, and joining the the pro ranks all seem to have too much of a robotic swing? It's it, they're all too similar to each other because they are taught this is the right way to swing a golf club. And you'll hear people romanticise all the time about looking back at the guys. And you could you could if you silhouetted a lot of the golfers today on a on a screen and tried to pick. Swings. I reckon it would be a hell of a lot harder than it would have been to silhouette golfers of yesteryear. And have the scores improved that much? It's an excellent point you make, Dan. But I, 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 That's I why think, I made it. <laughs> I think it's like similar to cricket. I, I think that there used to be far a far greater variety of body types 
that play the game. And so, so now I think the similarity is also that, that, that sports are, are choosing people based on physical attributes. Uh, whereas back in the day, if you were good, you were good, whether you were five foot three and overweight versus whether you were six one, had broad shoulders, were lean. You know, I think that's, that, that's homogenizing sport as well by not, by not letting, by, by selecting people based on physical attributes and not letting, you know, the Muggsy Bogues of this world have a crack, you know, you know. Spud Webb, Spud the man Webb. jump. <laughs> and and there goes my and there's all my basketball knowledge, boys. So we'll move on from that. Good hate for uh, good hate Phil. <laughs> good hate Dav. Now my my hate this week is actually more of a rant than anything else. But if you're allowed to talk about basketball, I'm allowed to go a little tangential as well. I hate the idiocy of the bureaucracy within the corporate world. I'm specifically talking about telco companies. I had a call. Sit back and listen to this, boys. I had a call, just a random call from a random mobile number from someone purporting to be from Telstra. And they were asking me, you know, with you know, with, with everything that's going on with the coronavirus and people are working from home, you know, a lot of people need some more data. So, I just wanted to check that you're okay with your data. Would you like some more data? And I said, yeah, sure. Yeah, I'll, that sounds good. And then I get the whole, okay, well, I need to confirm your identity. And they wanted my full name, my date of birth and address and all this stuff. And I, and I just laughed at her and said, hang on, you called me. Hold on. I'd like you to confirm your identity. This whole concept of calling you up and saying, now I need to confirm that you're the right person. I don't know who you are. You're some random. Bloody morons. <laughs> this is that. This is the computer compu- Computer says no mentality of, of the corporate world, and it pisses me off, gents. Yep. Have you seen Seinfeld, Demo? Uh, <laughs> I've seen the occasional episode a thousand right. times. Yeah. Well, why don't you just give me your number, <laughs> and I'll give you a call back. <laughs> And then I ask you all the questions you were going to ask me. Yeah, Yeah, exactly. Oh no, just it just the other day, and I just I just started laughing. Going, how how do they think that's because it says it on a screen and they're trained that way? But it's just it's one of my absolute pet hates. And yeah, that's Uh, that's all I've got for you, boys. Couldn't agree more. I I had someone ring me not that long ago with a questionnaire, and I said to them right at the outset, "Sure, I'll do your questionnaire, but I can't guarantee you that I will answer every question depending on what the questions are." He said, "Fine." He got my age, my gender. He knew that I lived with people in a house. And then once it got to who are they and what's the mm-hmm. number and what's the age, I said, I'm not going there. And he said, I, he said, I need, I need no. to know that yep. for this data to be valid. And I said, you, you don't. You don't. <laughs> it really comes down to what sort of data you're looking for, my good friend. If you just want to know <laughs> what my what my TV viewing behaviours are, <laughs> you know my age, you know my my gender, you know how much TV and internet I consume. If you need to know whether I'm married and have children or not, that's <laughs> I'm just not going to do that. And then, and then we. <laughs> What's his name? Xi Jinping, no, by any it chance? Was actually, an Australian. It was an Australian market research company. So then, so then I, I kept Xi on the phone for about twenty minutes talking about statistical validity and whether I know a thing or two about it or not. <laughs> and uh, nice. he ended up just hanging up on me. So I really enjoyed that conversation. Uh, <laughs> Dev, I hope you're getting how a you significant turn the voucher. Was this delivering you a significant gift voucher or something? Do you, no. Am I the only one of the three of us here who just says, I don't know you, bye? <laughs> no, 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 I, I do that. But sometimes, <laughs> no, sometimes n- I get normally I do. to kind of play with these people a little bit. So it was entertaining for me. That's like me when I get when I get the Mormons at the door. <laughs> I have a little play. <laughs> they all know we're home now as well. Why are morons knocking on your door? <laughs> exactly. <laughs> no, do you want the truth? Anyway, let's move on from our hates over to loves. Phil, I'm going to start with you again. What do you love? Let's get some. Let's let's get a bit of upbeat 
mentality into this uh, into this podcast. Well, I'm going to attempt to get upbeat, but I think it takes it back down the heights. But so I've spoken before around game changers, and in my local area, they have these thing called birdie cages, birdie hitting cages. All the mm-hmm. parks have cages set up with a mat and a net that says, "Come in and practice your golf," because we don't have any golf courses in our council area. So mm-hmm. come and practice your golf and keep working on it. Well, yeah. if ever there was a time for them to oh, shine, perfect, perfect. If time ever there now, was a sure. time for them to shine, it's now. Like yeah. shine a spotlight on what we're doing for the community and all the rest of it. Other than the fact that, like basketball courts being banned and playgrounds being banned and everything else being banned other than walking along the beach or horse racing, all the cages are locked. Can't use them. Oh, you're kidding me. They're not even open. Can't use them That's because ridiculous. you're not allowed to. Because you're not allowed to. Even but you're in a cage. I understand you're in you a cage. You are enclosed. Is the, is the cage not more than two metres wide? Like, what's the problem? I tell you, it's not as big as Dad's hitting net. <laughs> yeah, you got to check metres. it out. Eight metres hitting net's phenomenal, <laughs> <It's-> Phenomenal. <laughs> <laughs> and how, how wide your backyard? The wind my, uh, my backyard's seven and a half meters, unfortunately. So the, the end bit gets crinkled. <laughs> <laughs> so if ever there was a time for them to shine, as a great idea and a, an idea to grow the game, and I still believe it is a great idea to grow the game. It is now, except they're banned. So you get to look at them, and in fact, you can hit balls at them. You just can't hit balls from inside them, which does cause some. Concern, particularly if you hit a couple of skinny. Especially with your accuracy, Phil, or lack thereof. I go really close to them, Damo. I'm practicing my punch <laughs> shots. That is ridiculous. That's I like your love, but oh, I don't know. I reckon that that's far too close to a hate. Yes, it was really. Sorry about that. I can't do. Much. Let's Can, let's see if Dav. Love? Yeah, I think Dav's <laughs> got a proper love. Dav's a well, loving the, man. The, Come on, the Dav. sad thing about my love is that it stems from my hate, so it's not particularly interesting. <laughs> but but as, oh, I, I, I I sent you guys a text <laughs> message. Showing you my eight-meter uh, practice net. <laughs> Took that as about eight feet, unfortunately. But I love. I realized that I love repetitive ex repetitive training. Okay, so and the thing I love about the practice net is mm-hmm. that you don't see the outcome. Okay, this is what I love, and 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 like I said last week, it it, it brings back to kicking the footy you know, between two pot plants in your backyard when you're a kid or, or going out and just shooting free throw after free throw after mm-hmm. free throw. But with golf, with the practice net, what I love is that you don't see where the ball's going. So, you it forces you to focus on the activity. It forces you to focus on the skill. And I genuinely feel like I'm getting better. So, you know, I love that these training aids are available to us. In particular, you know, something that you can hit a ball into and start to feel because you need to get some sort of feedback. So you actually start to feel and recognize where you're hitting the ball and why why you you want to try and hit it in the middle as opposed to you know all the other things that I normally do. <laughs> and you don't get that you don't get that by even going to a driving range because as a beginner I know, yeah, that 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 ball certainly didn't go straight, but it went far and high and I feel good about that. Whereas when you actually take that to a course, you realize that's not that's not all great hitting it high, far and high but in the wrong direction, poor outcome. It's a really good. It's actually a really good point you make there, Dav. Recently, when we when I caught up, fell out at, out at the national for the Tom Doak when Tom Doak came down, and he brought a whole group of his players down there. Uh, sorry, a group of <laughs> group of. Yep, can you pick that up? Thank you. Anyway, playing with a guy that we've ta- I've spoken to you about him. He's an absolute flusher. Played with. He brought the hickory sticks down, and he played played with those and still absolutely smashed everyone. Ripping fella, Pete, Pete Flory. Pete was saying that one of the things that he does when he's if he's struggling a little bit is that he does exactly what Dav says. He says he, pre- he pretends on the course that he's hitting into a net because you don't worry about the outcome and you just 
go for it. You just go after it. And it's one of those one of those mental game tricks that a lot of the better players use in order to, ironically, to get the result that they're going for because they know, put the good swing on it and then the rest of it will take care of itself. Um, so I think it's and, actually a really good point, Dave. Trust the process, Dave. There was, there was a legendary golf pro out at Coringle in Western Melbourne, a guy by the name of Mark Wishart, who unfortunately due to limitations of land and all the rest of it, had to do a lot of his lessons in nets. And the thing that he found, and he's a pretty positive guy to look for the upside, but the biggest upside from golf is exactly what you just said, is that he can follow on the, he can, he can get people to follow the process and, and follow the technique and work on the technique without being disconcerted by the result. Because by nature, we manipulate. If you see a ball go right, you'll change something, even if you're yeah. changing the wrong thing. And I think the nets, as you say, it's a great opportunity. To, to just work, as you say, on that repetition. And, and, it, and it gives me a question I have for you fellas because obviously I'm very new to the game, but there are certain tips you get on a golf course, things like, you know, technique tips. And one of the – the- <laughs> <laughs> There's your first mistake. <laughs> and one of them I hear a lot is keep your head down, keep your head down. And uh, <laughs> it might be this, – this, this might send and us we're off. a rabbit hole. But it worked for me this week. Keeping my head down worked for me. And the question I have is mm. did it work – because it forced me to focus on the ball at the point of impact. So was it a, a mental focusing thing or is does it work because of biomechanics? So, so if I'm keeping my head down, I'm biomechanically more stable through the swing and there's less movement and, and that is the sole reason why a tip like that might be effective. Now, without being a golf coach, more just sort of relaying information and things that have been explained to me through guys who are. So one of the things, I guess it depends on whether you're being told keep your head down at impact or keep your eyes on the ball and your head down because the the two because keeping your head down biomechanic biomechanically yes it, it stops you from from obviously mm-hmm. standing up off the ball and topping the yeah. ball as as a rule or skinning it that's that's kind of the simplest thing it's that whole down down means up hit mm-hmm. down to get the ball to go up but the problem is and it's one of the tips that Kipper gave our Baron's membership was that when you look a couple of the guys Robert Allenby Annika Sorenstam these some of the best ball strikers in the world were not looking at the ball at impact, but their head's still down. They haven't come up off the ball. Their head's still down, but they're just looking slightly forward because that helps you release and turn your whole body. So the concept of it, it all depends on what's meant by keep your head down because people are trying to keep their head down and then swing past their body with their head still looking at where the ball was. It's just that's a nightmare. But learning it might be a really simple tip to, to teach people to not stand up. So what you're saying is aren't these people then taking <clears> – <throat> their focus away from where it needs to be at the critical moment. If it's just purely a biomechanical thing, then like you, you sort of just suggested, because I guess the, the other, the other, and to, to kind of support your argument, you look at someone like a Roger Federer who, who you see where he's, where his eyes are at the point of impact when the ball hits the racket, but there's no way in hell exactly. he can see the ball coming in that quick on his racket. So I, I, oh, okay, I so it's just something that he's been yeah. taught to do so that his head's still, when he mm. strikes the ball. Well, cricket's, a, cricket's another perfect example where they say, <clears throat> well, you're kind of always taught to keep your eye on the ball, hit the ball, but you can't at the point of contact, you're not looking mm. at the ball. It's mm. all moving too far, too quickly. It, and it's a similar thing with golf. If you're, you don't need to be, it's, how, how do you, what's the best way to explain it, Phil? You're saying, where you're seeing it, your, your body naturally can get to the right position, I guess, in that respect. So, so in terms of, um, yeah, eye on the ball, eye on the ball, to a certain degree, yes, but it doesn't have to be at the impact because our eyes, we, we don't sense it that quickly. We're, well, we're, we talking, Dad, Dad, we're talking about lateral. So the head down thing is actually about 
lateral movement as opposed to rotational movement. So in reality, the, the axis of my head can move like this, yeah, but my head's right. still down. Yeah. So so what Damo's saying is right. So you look at Brooks Kepka as two clear That'd examples. I'm still looking at Brooks Kepka and Tommy Fleetwood, funnily enough. <laughs> <laughs> Phil has posters on his wall. I've actually snipped those two and photoshopped them. But you look at Brooks Kepka and Tommy Fleetwood versus a, say, Robert Elmby or even Henrik Stenson, whereby two of them are keeping their head what looks like down, but it's just focused onto where the ball is. The other two are releasing the, the head a little bit fur, further forward. But their head position, if you draw a line through it, mm. isn't moving laterally. So the head's still down. So it's actually then about comfort. Now, to Dion's point, if you rotate your head a little bit, both on backswing and, and through swing, you'll find rotating, often you'll find rotating your, your shoulders and he'll bang on about the thoracic region of the uh, hyper- And specificity. Ethydermis and specificity <laughs> and to be honest. But but you'll get that rotation that becomes easier. As you know, if you look to the right and then rotate your shoulders right, it is easier to turn. So then so the implication up, yeah. of that is then then keeping your eyes down is it's it's more about focus than it is biomechanics. So it's it's seeing the ball at the point of impact and not taking your eyes off the ball to, to look ahead of it. So you're saying it, it's more about stopping it's more about stopping you from raising up though, Dav. If at impact, if you're sort of looking ahead, trying to chase or chase the ball to see where it's going, at impact, you're more likely to be standing up off it. So biomechanically yeah, it does actually both. help to to especially early on. And before I ruin everyone's game and before we destroy everyone's golf game globally even yeah, more than we probably we already know. have, one thing I'll give you, if you start at the shortest putts, they, they talk about actually listening to the ball yeah. go in the hole, not watching it. And so all you're trying to do on a full shot is potentially trying to mirror that yeah. whole concept is I want to listen I want yeah. to listen to it rather than watch it and trust that once I've hit it, I can't do anything about it. So there's no point looking up quickly. I reckon so many people have just got worse, but it's a great well, conversation. It's a great conversation topic because this well, is about the, learning the game. Well, the great Lindsay Gaze, he taught, don't take your eyes off the ring all, let keep your eyes on the ring until the ball goes in or at least hits it. So don't follow the flight of the ball at any point. And that well, well that's it. It's the exact same point. The exact same point. But but so many but so many players do. So yeah. many players no, take their eyes. Like you see a lot of a lot of photos of, of guys that haven't even released the ball yet, and their eyes are already looking towards the ceiling in anticipation of following the flight of the ball. So I'm saying. So I think that that's wrong. <laughs> <laughs> well, anyway, that's this, that's too much uh, too much basketball for my liking, boy. So we're going to move on. I'll tell you what my love is this week, gentlemen. It is the nostalgia of golf, the wistful, sentimental yearning from yesteryear. Phil, obviously, this is um, this came from from watching all the highlights of Masters Pass last week. We we missed missed having uh, having the Masters. On this time of year, we're normally pretty bleary-eyed, you know. And watching the likes of Nicholas and Seve and Faldo, I, I just, I just love reliving those great stories and and the highlights. And it doesn't just apply to the Masters. This is golf in general. When you're looking back, I absolutely love it. But God, did I miss did I miss the Masters last week? It was meant to start today, wasn't it? No, it was last week, Phil. <laughs> uh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Sorry, you're right, Damien. I've got all my dates mixed up. Mm. <laughs> <laughs> There is okay. something special about no, no. But there's something special about both the event, about uh, even the dress, even the apparel that they used to get away with. I mean, you look at, and I don't want to bring this name up, but I'm going to as I gaze up onto the side of the office with some light purple and lilac stamps. Larry Myers, who should have been oh. shot for his ensemble, ouch. Oh, and his illegal drop and his breaking of Australian hearts. 
and his breaking of Australian hearts. But talk about expression in apparel. We we kind of mm. lost our way and then and then recovered it and finally getting to relax a little bit more. But they, I mean, green pants and green shirts like they were the kings of it. The seventies and eighties was just awesome. Psychedelics have a lot to answer for, Phil. There's a lot of things. I've got a lot of things to answer for. I don't even know what I'm so, saying now. So, are you saying that a? Are you suggesting that perhaps the changing of outfits could change a game, be a bit of a game changer? Oh, very good. Very good. Excellent segue there, Phil. <laughs> game changer. Oh, you mean you mean me now? Yes. Is that why you keep saying Phil. go now? Yeah, pretty much. So to Dave's point, so my game changer this week, and it's a rare opportunity that we potentially have. And there's a fair bit of stuff on on social media about tour pros hitting the ball left-handed. What an opportunity potentially to unlearn when you've got a big break of not being able to play golf, assuming mm-hmm. that everyone else is like Victoria and no one's allowed to play, whereby you actually start to forget what you knew to then relaunch what you knew or rebuild it in a sense. And so I, particularly from my point of view, I started to think about this with my short game, is mm-hmm. what if I could forget everything that I thought I was meant to do? Do you mean your driver or? No, that's really good by you, Damien. Did you not listen last week when I said that I hit a couple and I was offended by Dad's remark and was offended for an entire week about Dad's suggestion that maybe God was at play or some other Allah or Jar or one of the other family of Shivas. But the idea of of maybe able to reinvent – I'm just trying to cover everybody off, Damien. But the idea of trying to reinvent or unlearn – so wind back what, what you thought you knew and just started again if I was going to do it mm-hmm. simply. And Dave's point about repetition, about let's find something simplistic and away we go. And so that's going to be my mission while I can't play golf, is particularly from a short game point of view to unlearn. And, yes, that might be the driver, but unlearn. Yeah, not bad. Don't mind it. So do you mean also, Phil, to unlearn bad habits as well or is it more just recreating or finding the things that you love again? It really was about habit. So you, you become so full of, and like our discussion before, you become so full of technique and so full of this paralysis by analysis because everyone has a theory on short game. And it doesn't matter whether it's Stanley Utley or Roger Cleveland or all these guys all have a theory on short game. And then you've got all the golf pros kicking in as well. Well, I think my short game has got so many bits of those that I know exactly what I need to do to hit this shot and that shot that I end up doing none of it. And so for me, it's actually saying, <laughs> What about, okay, if I was trying to learn the game from scratch and trying to dumb it right down, forgetting how it looks or how it might appeal aesthetically, mm-hmm. what, will get the, what will get the game done? And so I'm going to actually use this time of not being able to play golf to, to try to and- To learn how to play golf. Forget what I knew, which is a really <laughs> complicated thing. I mean, that de-engineering thing is, is yeah. a mind, well, it'll mess with- A mind messer, Phil, we'll go with. Well, <laughs> That's right. Well, but well, I'm going to give it a just shot. Just remember to keep your head down. That's all I'm saying. Well- <laughs> oh, I love it. Oh, I love it. Now we've been mixing it all different different sports today as well. So I've got my game changer actually has come about from a couple of the couple of things we've we've been shooting. Well, not of late, but late last year and a little bit early this year around golf tennis boys. And I've got a concept, Phil, that I think needs to be brought in to to help us enjoy our game a lot more. Number one, where do most people lose their balls? They lose them off the tee. Fair call. Yes. <laughs> the answer is yes. Thank you, Phil. Ocean Dunes. So, so I want to yeah, nice. I want to add. I want to introduce a bit of golf tennis off the tee. Only off the tee. So basically, if you lose your first shot, it's a fault, and you get a second serve. Hey, how good's that? <laughs> second serve. Now it's up to you. If you choose, if you choose, if you want to go hard again and try and go for another, shall we call it first serve, or if you want to just 
ease back, second serve, hit it into the hit it into the fairways. If you double fault, well, then your next one you're still hitting your fifth. So it's not like you're not going to get penalised. But I think just off the tee, that would one it would drop handicaps massively. Two. I'd my handicap would drop massively, <laughs> and you know, like the the guard in Raiders of the Lost Ark, you just got to make sure that you choose wisely. The mulligan. Have you heard of a concept called mulligans? Yes, Some but mulligans not just off the tee. I'm trying to make it specifically yeah. off the I, tee. I th- right, a tee mulligan. Why think, do you always have golf- to ruin my fun? <laughs> it's my Go- job. Golf ball companies would love that idea because people would just be giving up on balls. At every hole. They'd be like, nah, I'm hitting another one. I'm hitting- it would spe- Well, I think ironically it would actually speed the play would. up it would a stop little people bit. looking for balls, that's for sure. I think it's true. Look, I, I'm, I can't- Genius, Phil. It, it is genius. <laughs> Phil, too, actually does this already. <laughs> and inevitably you do play better. And Dev, Dev, because Dev is the psychology major, it's the idea of, Dev, why is the first tee shot so difficult but the reload so simple? I think it's because it gives you a reference point. Because the first swing- Ooh, good answer. Yeah, particularly the first swing on the first tee, you haven't you haven't hit a ball yet, and and I think it ties in also to what we talked about last week in the, that as soon as you've made the mistake, you no longer fear it. To make this to make the same mistake twice is not that is not that big a deal when you've already made the first one. So you you you, you fear it less, and it ties. It is when you have it's everyone. Everyone's able to tell people that they they hit they're hitting three off the tee. No one likes saying I'm hitting five or seven <laughs> yeah. off the tee. So I'm the opposite. When I when I lose one, I'm like, oh, I'm I'm more nervous on my bloody provisional. Unlike most people aren't. Most people are okay with it. I'm so you'll probably, hell you'll probably swing with probably less force. You, you'll probably be a bit more conservative, like a second serve, and you're and you're far more likely, like in tennis, to to hit the ball better. <laughs> well, you probably, and you probably won't hit it as hard, <laughs> so you'll probably hit it straighter. You know, I mean, the far, there's far fewer second serves that go into the net or go long or wide than first serves. So, tying back to tennis, because with golf, trying to trying to slow it down and steer it is actually probably one of the worst things you can do. You don't release, so you can actually get yourself in a worse way. Is that similar I to think, tennis? I think, no. I think with tennis, certainly taking off, you know, 10 or 15%. Yeah, it gives you gives more you control. more control. It gives you more control. Yeah, which is which is, and, but and that's that, the opposite the thing in, in is, golf. I think with golf, if you're good at the game and you make a mistake, you do recognize what you did wrong, and, and it's probably something from an execution standpoint. It's not. It's probably something that doesn't need correcting. Mm. You might say, "Well, you know, I I I tightened up, or I took my eye off the ball at the key moment," mm. and you'll just you'll just yeah, or I was cupping or something. You'll make like a, that, you'll make yeah. the right adjustment. You won't just make an adjustment for adjustment's sake. Dave, have they done a measure on racket speed? If we talk mm. about Roger Federer, a first serve versus a second serve, have Federer. they done a measure on racket speed? So is it is it because they they serve these kickers mm. and these spinning mm-hmm. serves with their second serve? But is the racket speed the same? It's not the same. <laughs> oh, can you back up? <laughs> There's a quick answer. But, but, yeah, they certainly take they t- certainly take pace off off. So they don't just take pace yeah, off they via take it spin; off the swing they take as well. it off. And they know with that the, the, speed the, the, the racket swing speed's probably less relevant than the speed of the ball moving through the air. Phil, <laughs> they can they can they can tell how fast <laughs> the ball's coming off the racket. The, the the racket speed's probably less relevant, and they know and they know what speed the ball's coming in at, when it hits the ground, and then how quick it's coming once once it's hit the ground. 
So, in essence, or in summary, <laughs> golf's a lot better than tennis. Very good. Dad, yes. did you have, did you have a game changer that, uh, that you had from my eight-metre practice net embarrassment? I'll probably, I'll probably embarrass myself again here <laughs> by giving you an idea that's already been invented and, and in, full, in full swing. Mind the pun. But uh, similar to you know, the, the, the golf tennis exploration that we uh, have been enjoying of late, gentlemen. And let's be honest, <laughs> it, it is, is fun. fun. It is fun. <laughs> I wonder whether golf as, you know, at the pro level and tournament level, whether golf can emulate tennis a little bit by changing the way that it's played in that players go head-to-head and it's round-robin and the way that it's scored is is not cumulative. So, taking the cumulative total out of golf, you're playing hole for hole, which you may tell me is match play. Is that what match play is? Right. So, but, but sounds a lot like match so play to me. Is, <laughs> the is, two players tee off together and they play eight holes. Get and wound, and that, are they one up? Every hole is a game. So, irrespective of what your overall tally is, you're playing against a person you get through the next round. The loser of the 18 holes is out of the tournament and you progress. And then the final is two golfers playing 18 holes. The person that wins the most holes wins the tournament. Sounds 100% like match play to me, but I may be wrong. Phil? Uh, Dav, sometimes the great inventions are reinventions of inventions that already <laughs> Just um, build a better mousetrap. <laughs> I'm telling you, it's a better mousetrap because it's got a better name. <laughs> Golf tennis scoring system I mean, is far play. better than so match, match play. So match play is 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 knockout. Is knockout? Is it? Yeah. Good summary. Yeah, uh, it is. Yeah, it is in a match play. In yeah, good so- summary. Yeah, well done. So, Dave, your topic for next week, which is what is match play? You've now done it. <laughs> I've just sent you a link with uh, a Wikipedia link uh, with golf. It's golf. And, I'm going I'm to do my best a, to try and find have a, a subtle right. difference between match play and my idea, and I'm sure I'll come up with one. Yes. <laughs> I want you to I want you to elaborate next week with a with a difference in that one. But we're going to move on to gear effect, Phil. You had you had an interesting take for this week. Well, it was just Damo. It was all about. Sorry, as I recover from the golf tennis match play extravaganza. And Dave, we do love idea. Keep the ideas coming because that's your first bad one. But we talk about in the AFL or in the NBA or APL or otherwise all time best teams and all time mm-hmm. best players by position. And so I just thought, whilst we're in a bit of a lull. What is your all-time golf bag? You know, from you know, what is the best golf ball you've ever used? What's the best putty you've ever used, or irons, or wedges, or fairway, or driver, mm-hmm. or, or otherwise? To actually put together, if I had my dream bag over the number of years that I've played golf, yeah. what is your dream That's bag? Cool. Have you got any ideas on what your dream bag is? What, what mine would be? All right. So, what do we want to start with? We'll go balls. Yeah. So, yeah. I, look, I got to be honest. The TaylorMade TP5 is my favourite ball I've, I've used. I'm sorry to say, Phil. I can't help it. It's good. Why are you, <laughs> like why are you apologising to me? Because I'm, I'm, I know you want me to have something from 1970 there yeah, that's going to be magnificent, but I don't. TP5 is my favourite favorite ball. The putter is also my current one, which is an even roll ER2 model. I love that thing. I can't take that out of my bag. Wedges for me would be the Callaway MD4s. I've always I played them magnificently. <laughs> I know. They're not that old. Now, irons, Phil. Irons, because I'm- I know I, you know, I love my Mizuno, Mizuno MP20s, but and I've, I've rabbited on about the MP4s, but, but, but for a bit of nostalgic reasons, I really oh, would have don't to say. have my Wilson Staff tool blades <laughs> from the eighties. Staff tool blades; these things are the best. Oh, you don't understand; they're so small. 
They're yep. just beautiful. Fairway, mm-hmm. can't go past the my Tour Edge CBX my, 119, my, your, your CBX 119. So and your driver- favourite fairway wood is mine. Well, look, how, how long – what's the statute of limitations on a <laughs> – Two years. Is it a statue or a statute? Oh, <laughs> no, no, it's not a statue. Phil, driver – driver's a tricky one for me. The Ping, the Ping G400 is the best one I reckon I've ever played with. But if I was looking for we, – we, I know you want me to come back with something a bit older. Probably the TaylorMade R7. TaylorMade R7 was, was a great – I loved that. Absolutely love that driver. Or even – this one's going to throw you the Rocket Balls, the original Rocket Balls from 2011. I love that thing. Couldn't miss with it. Maybe it's just because I Couldn't played miss. well with them. Maybe that's the problem. I played well with them, so now I love them, even though technically they're not as good as current-day items. What about you, Phil? Am well, I going to get anything funny. for that? Was that all rubbish? No, or you- no that's all rubbish. Oh, hurtful. Yeah, what, I, what I will say, there is some similarity, though, is the driver. I've actually got written down the original R7. Oh, well, there so, you go. So I was wrong on one. Were, Big deal. Uh, no, it's not about being right or wrong, although you were. But for me, the R7 was a more of a journey that had a connection to it. So I was lucky yeah. enough working for TaylorMade at the time to actually go to the US for the launch of R7 when they had Hale Irwin hitting, hitting driver down the practice fairway and all then fit for it and all the rest of it. And it was fantastic. So for me, that is the standout driver. Fairway would, and it seems like there's a theme here with brand, exotic CBX. It might have been the CBX 119, but no, that's I haven't really been given an opportunity to use it, even though it is mine, because <laughs> it's in your bag. But the original CBX is mine by miles, the best fair I would. Iron's Hogan Apex Pro, um, mm, going nice. back to 2000 and 2001, just unbelievable. Wedges, again, unusually, the MD3, Callaway MD3, but mine had a little okay. shamrock, a little shamrock etched, etched on the back. Ah, it's really um, dear potatoes. Which has given me no good luck at all. Can you have favourite wedges? Because you've never been able to hit them. <laughs> yeah. No, these are to look at. <laughs> oh, it's all visual, is it? Okay. Yeah. And Your then the putt- best uh, part of my little Cleveland Classic Blade and yep. the, the best golf ball, and there were two of them, and it is a little bit nostalgic because of a personal connection, but the Strata Tour Ace was mm-hmm. my favourite golf ball that I used, which was an early urethane ball, but whereby they each they had all the suits of cards on them. So you had a heart ball, a spade ball, oh, that's a cool. clubs ball, or a diamonds ball, and I've still got a dozen sitting in the car. That I'm scared to use. But, yeah, that's that's my all-time bag for getting the, the bag. But I think just that fact of sitting back saying, well, how much of it are you now using of your favourite gear ever? Mm-hmm. And therefore, as this habit that golfers have, if there are favourites, why do you then change them? It's not a bad call. It, like, I think it's something we should look at with um, with Barons at some point, boys. Getting out playing in our in our fa- – like our absolute favourites of all time, go out for a round and see if we can have some more fun with it. Just put together your all-time bag, your dream bag, and then put it into play because that's the difference. You, you can name an, an all-time NBA team or an all-time AFL but team. But can they play but they'll together? Never get, they can never get the chance to play together. And one of the things we have with golf is because you've got 14 clubs, or in your, my case, 17, <laughs> to actually put them all into a bag, to put them all into play. And of all of those things, I think there's only uh, the set of irons I, I – no longer have. I think they got knocked off by those dirty, stinking bastards that we're still chasing. But everything else I can actually put together and go out and use and play and enjoy and celebrate. Now, no, Dav, do, golf. do any of those, did any of those make sense to you or have you, what's your, what's your favourite yeah, makeup? Have you had a, yeah, had a think about it? My favourite set of clubs is usually the ones that I managed to get that weren't secondhand and also that I didn't pay for. As a general, um, <laughs> if, I've, if I've worked out a set of clubs on a contra deal, I've, I've shot some video for somebody, love them. My favourite, hands down. 
<laughs> the ones that you have, they're the ones you love. Phil, my uh, gear effect for this week is there's some new irons I found, Phil, and I need them. I don't want them. I need them. Ooh, Mesla. <laughs> and it's from a little uh, a little Japanese company called Mayura or Mayura. And they've or got- Mayura. Yeah, that's probably more correct. They've got these- <laughs> <laughs> Got him. <laughs> He's got him, yeah. Mayura baby blades. Have you seen them? I want you while you're there, go and look them, look them up. Moira.com, I think it is. Baby blades. They remind me of those staff tool blades. I was just telling you about the Wilsons. They're tiny, 15% smaller than than what we sort of get used to or what we're used to seeing these days with with blades. They are tiny. They are gorgeous. You know, apparently apparently the smaller head helps you square square it up at impact. Well, I don't know if any of that's true. <laughs> but just, they're so tiny. They're so tiny. They just look. They're just amazing. They're only 300 bucks per club, US that is, um, closer to 400 once you've uh, got a decent shaft in them. But one day, Phil, I will treat myself to a set of them. Have you have you got it online yet? Have you found it? I have. I've, have I've actually looked them up. They actually they look very, very similar to an old set of Cobra blades. Not that I'm suggesting that Mr. Mura in any way has taken inspiration because Mura have been in this game long enough. Where are we? Yeah, you really are, have no chance. They'd be air swings is, all over the. No, nah, no, nah, that is that is mate, That's what I. That's what I. Effectively, what I learnt the game on. All the focus on the pill, nothing on the uh, on the clubs. One day, Phil, I'm going to invest uh, three three or four thousand US bucks into that. No, you're not. How's the company looking at the moment? Anyway, we'll move on. That's mine for now, and I will. Um, I'm going to make it happen, Dav. I know you've got a. Do, you had something for gear, gear effect, effect this week. I don't know if you guys recall the last time we actually filmed on a golf course. I managed to fly my trusty DJI Phantom Four Pro <laughs> straight into a tree. <laughs> so I haven't. It's it lost a couple of limbs, so I dare say it's not safe to fly any longer. So I'm in the market for a new drone, fellas, for the next season of Golf Barons. <laughs> <laughs> To be fair, I don't think you can be blamed for a drone flying to a tree. Isn't this one of the core components to a drone is that it doesn't well, that fly? Well, that is, that is what it's written on the box, Shooter, that, that, it, that it's supposed to do, supposed to do <laughs> and not do certain things like fly into trees. And the other thing is that, that I'm shooting to film. So I'm looking at what the camera is, is looking at, not where the drone is going. That's why it has sensors, like you said. And in that moment, I was probably pretty excited about the the type of shot that I was getting. And, and I believe the last thing I said before it hit the tree was, is that going to hit that tree? And uh, <laughs> it was. It <laughs> so, so, so I'm looking at the Mavic 2 zoom, fellas, because I, I, I want to zoom on. So, so what is it What is it with a drone, Dav, that you, for filming, particularly for golf, and obviously we, we use it predominantly for, well, we use it for golf predominantly. What is it that you look for in a drone to really capture the best things about so a golf course? The, the three keys are its ability to fly and its and its ease with which to control. That helps. <laughs> but, but to, but to Can it fly? How yep, it flies, it's a drone. It's not just that it gets in the air, it's how it flies. And how it flies when there's a fair Good. bit of wind. Okay, and so is it maneuverable? Is it really yeah. sensitive? The controls are really sensitive to touch. You want nice, smooth actions. I think that was one of Phil's criticism of my uh, Murray River drone work was that he noticed uh, a couple of a couple of bumps. No, it wasn't. I no. It, oh, Dev, I loved your Murray <laughs> oh, River I've work. Thrown him into it. <laughs> 
I particularly like the ones yeah, where you're, like, you're front and yeah. centre, Dav, because you've got to have a stable <laughs> yeah. base one, one's when you're can, filming ones it. that can automatically remove the pilot from the footage is that's generally <laughs> a win as well. The, look, the other, thing, the other thing is also the, the quality of the camera that's, met, that's fixed to the drone. Oh, and I've been reading up about this Hasselblad. What is that? What's well, the Hasselblad? Well, we, do we, we do want one of those. The, the Hassel, well, Hasselblad is, is one of the premier camera companies historically and so that's that's purely just about the Hasselblad lens on the drone its performance is is it's probably the best drone camera on the market in terms of things like you know sharpness and uh, dynamic range and things like that so it is it is one that that's a high on my list as well but the ability to zoom would be and the DJI Mavic 2 does offer a zoom feature, which would enable me to keep the drone high, but zoom in on you guys, get get closer to the action without having to worry about a ball uh, knocking it straight out of the air. That's what <laughs> that's uh, that would be that would be one We've come advantage. Close but a few the other times. advantage to is a a drone that zooms would enable me to then do what is known as vertigo shots, right? Yes, oh Hitchcock, yes, the Hitchcock, Alfred Hitchcock the vertigo shot. So what effectively that does is it keeps the oh, subject. Oh, that's awesome consistent and it moves his surroundings it's an amazing effect and you do that by basically flying the drone out and zooming in at the same time so you're changing the perspective at the same but time the subject yeah. stays the same oh, wait till you see this footage people this is going to be magnificent <laughs> season two coming in 2043 at the moment with this bloody COVID <laughs> crap i think Still. dev's point was that he has to buy one demo did you not well, get that little hint from dev yep. saying i need to buy one well, he's he's big on Contra. Let's <laughs> let's see what uh, <laughs> he's been talking up Contra. So, so Mavic DJI, <laughs> give us a buzz. <laughs> we'll do we'll do a review. We'll put you we'll in touch. That sounds very Baronesque of you, Dav. Speaking of Philip, Baronesque behaviours for this week. What have you got for me? Short, Get short, sharp, straight to the point. Tiger, Tiger having his faux master's dinner last week with his family. Oh, I saw that. Fo- I saw a photo, yeah. That was, that was very um, cool. Just, just sitting there all dressed up. He's still in his <laughs> Nike outfit. He's got, the, he's got the, the jacket on. He's got the little master's trophy sitting in the middle of the table, the table all laid up, and just full of smiles. And that was one of the comments that was made about it is that, you know, isn't this the ultimate master's dinner? No airs and graces yeah. and just arms around his family, everyone enjoying their lives and their time. And, and Do we know what they ate? Eat? Do we know what they were eating? Uh, chicken nuggets. <laughs> No, Ooh. no idea. I, no, my Ooh. investigation didn't. Hi, Sergio. Um, right, <laughs> I've got, I've got one for uh, one that sort of something that I did and I haven't done for a while, and something that we, sh- I think we should do more often individually. It's just taking a bit of time for ourselves. I sat outside. Uh, I say I, I did it myself. I was ordered to bugger off outside and go and relax by uh, said missus. And so I went outside, sat down with a, a bottle of uh, Cuban rum, and had a cigar for the first time in a long time. And, and watched a movie outside by myself. It's one of the most relaxed I've been in a long, long time. Once upon a time in Hollywood, before you ask, Dev. That's what I finally saw, finally got around to it. And uh, quite a fan. I'm quite a fan. I love, I love the twist. It's a very good twist. I enjoyed it. No, I thought it was actually really good. I feel like it's the first good time Quentin Tarantino but, has tried to actually say something political and relevant mm. in a film. I'm not saying it's his best work, mm. but I feel like yeah. he, he was getting it's not his best off work. his chest with that film, just quietly, and he did it quite yeah. violently. <laughs> so, you, you, you I, like you I liked like it, it coming out of it, i got to be honest, but I the more I thought about it and the more I read about 
the Manson murders, the more I realized what he was trying to do, and that gave me an appreciation for the film. I actually, yeah, in retro, I liked it in retrospect. So, 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 Dev, you liked it? Yes. <laughs> me too. Over to you, Phil. Did you have any Baroness behaviours this week? Well, no, other than the one, other than the one, the that one I've you've just given me, I've, I've done myself a yeah. mischief. I meant to ask Dev. What I was going to ask, shelf. what I was going to yeah. ask, Damo. I was going to ask whether you projected the screen onto your eight-meter hitting net out the back. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, if only. Yeah, I'll, sk- <laughs> no, I'll leave it. Dev, man, anything Baron-esque from your Baron-esque, perspective? Well, uh, look, I've got an anti-Baron-esque behavior, if I could throw one in. And that is, and I, and I get oh, why they're doing it, but sports trying to stay relevant by thinking that we're interested in watching their athletes play video games. That is, oh, I'm that, with is you 100% that is 100% on this. Behavior. Would you be any would you be interested in watching Tiger no, Woods is- versus Bubba Watson playing golf video games? This is taking the snake's hiss <laughs> as far as I'm concerned. I, I couldn't think of anything more excruciating, you know. It's it's like it's like when 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 you're a kid and you went over to your mate's place and he made you sit there and watch him play Super Nintendo. He oh, it was it. the worst because he's he owned it, yeah. so he played it for an hour. Finally died. Exactly. You got on there dead in one exactly. minute. <laughs> you get to sit for another hour. <laughs> that was me. <laughs> that as was well. me. I was, I was that kid. kid. I if only I, I never had, had one. Phone. <laughs> Did you both have mates? Did I'd you won, both have mates? A mate. <laughs> <laughs> so anti baronesque. No, uh, I agree, Dev. I agree, we'll Dev. Move on. Just sometimes, just admit that you've got to run reruns or maybe get behind a new show. <laughs> But stop giving us crap. Yeah, are there any good new shows around at the moment, Phil? Not that you can't get on baronslife.com. Boom, boom. And that was a predictable comment, which is, brings us straight to the time for Crystal Balls. And I'm going to throw that straight back to you again, Phil. Crystal Balls, yes. what, what can you see happening in the near or distant future? Well, it looks like the Ryder Cup, Damo, as predicted, will go ahead, despite the fact that- Which will be a tick for you and a tick for you and a cross for me. It'll be my first ticked crystal ball. But the Ryder Cup, I believe, or I'm predicting that is going to be marred by a series of coughing incidents. <laughs> Co- coffee incidents? No, coughing As incidents. It's the, ghost of Seve, it's the ghost of Seve is going to come back, and I think the European fans yeah. are all going to be coughing their heads off when the US <laughs> players are playing. And then the US fans are all going to be coughing their heads off while the European players are playing, and it's just going to be a cough fest. It's going to be a it's cough off. Be like, so it's going to be they, a cough they, off. I'll tell you what, Phil. I tell you what, that's going to be a far. It's going to be a lot better to listening for the or watching for the viewer than bloody getting the whole mashed potatoes and all that garbage. Let's have is, a cough is, off. Is, is Ryder Cup uh, like cough team off. tennis play? Is that what that is? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. You know what? They should get the this team Hopman tennis cup, play. It's the Hopman and they, cup of golf. They should get this team tennis play, and they should get. I don't know. The USA should play like the whole of Europe, and we should call it something. It's no, and there's no longer the Hopman Cup, Phil. It's now the ATP Cup, if you don't mind. <laughs> Showed my level of interest, Dev. Yes, very good. All right, Phil. We'll see. We'll see if that happens. Sa- I've got a bit of a sad prediction this week. Oh, geez, that Corona, Phil. A bit of a sad prediction, and hopefully, and hopefully, I'm totally wrong on this. But I actually think we're going to see at least a dozen golf courses fold within the next six months due to this whole coronavirus pandemic. I think at least three of them will be rather well known, historic ones, possibly even iconic. I really hope I'm wrong, but. Ooh. But you there to I had to get to come up with something. I'm a little I'm a little concerned because whispers that are out there are that clubs are really starting to battlefield. But only in Victoria because they've cancelled <laughs> playing golf. Mm. 
<laughs> I didn't. I didn't specify. There was no specificity with my location, with my locale of this prediction. But we'll find out. Time will tell. Hopefully, I'm completely well, here's wrong. My, here's, but my predictions have been been. Well, here's my prediction off the back far. of your prediction. I predict that if they do fail, they'll turn it to housing estates. That's just that's just my prediction. <laughs> <laughs> Obviously, <laughs> I, clearly, clearly. Now, Phil, you might just think you might think I'm dreaming, but. The truth is, oh I'm not. God, you're getting and better at this. I'm not. I'm getting worse. I'm just. I'm just trying to get you to do <laughs> something for me. Give us your dreaming for this week, Phil. Take us somewhere okay. nice. We're going to go. We are going to go somewhere really nice. And this is this is a, a genuine dreaming. And I'm not going to drag on because there's some obscurity within it. But Long Island in New York, in the vicinity of Long Island, there are a couple of pretty reasonable golf courses. And one is National Golf Club. And the other one is Shinnecock Hills. But where we're going yeah. is Sebenac. And Sebenac oh. Golf Club in Southampton in New York, designed by a couple of, we'll just call them no-name little hack designers, mm. Jack Nicholas and Tom Doak. <laughs> and it was a really interesting experience apparently for them working with each other and needing to have very different design philosophies but having to mm. merge them the whole way through. And apparently, you know, the, the quote was is that Nicholas won with Doak's traditional rough bunkers became a little bit more, a little bit neater. And Nicholas's traditional large sprawling greens became more dope-like in terms of the size of them. Membership for this little joint, Seven Eight Golf Club, is reportedly, and I say reportedly, six hundred fifty thousand bucks. So Annually. it's not pay for play. No, no, you just buy. Well, you buy a share you and buy a you go, which also includes a room and accommodation when you need it in one of their cottages. And their cottages are magnificent. What I like most about the and the images of Seven Eight Golf Course Online are, are unbelievable. But the opening hole is a short one. For most mm-hmm. people, which makes it a medium-length hole for me, which is a really nice soft start, particularly when I'm playing three off the tee because I invoked your new rule about serving a fault. Semi-links, majestic, small greens, but the views, they talk about the views and the fact that you can see these other two iconic golf courses from there. But that's seven at golf course on Long Island. That sounds like fun. We're actually going to stay there. We're going to stay in one of the cottages on course, which is a lazy hour and 40 minutes into New York for what we're going to eat. Mm-hmm. I just what couldn't choose anything for? locally, and we're not eating anything that's out there deluxe. We're going to have pastrami on rye because we're in New York, and when you're in New York, <laughs> yes. you're to have pastrami on rye. Can, can, we're going to have it from Cat's Deli. Yeah, go I was on. going to say, with the, with your pastrami on rye, can we just add a bit of, a bit of sauerkraut and Swiss cheese and some Russia, a bit of uh, Russian sauce and turn it into a Reuben? Come on. you got to have uh, a Reuben in New York. Could, we could have, but it's not your dreaming. So yeah, we're going to have pastrami on rye. <laughs> Yeah, yeah. Well, well, we'll give that a go. Uh, and then after that, we're going to follow it up with a cronut. We're going to follow it up with a cronut hey. from Dominic Ansel Bakery. What is a cronut, Damo? It's going to be some kind of donut. I'm tipping Phil. Cro- uh, uh, I don't know. Uh, cake donut. donut. Cake donut. A cronut. A croissant. Cro- cro- croissant. Hybrid. Yeah, shouldn't it be called croissant? a cronut? A croissant. Maybe it is a cronut. It's a cronut. Um, which is a croissant. A croissant donut <laughs> uh, hybrid. Filled with uh-huh, filled with cream and with a oh, nice layer of nice. on top. It's very nice. You went a bit bored out there, Phil. <laughs> and anyway, and then we're going to drink in Manhattan because I've never had one. Oh, and I only realised that, that You've got me we're that. drinking in Manhattan. So that is my dreaming. But Seven at Golf Club, if you want to see a, just a, an unbelievable looking golf course, manicured but deluxe, delightful, and within arm's reach almost, if you've got really long arms, of the mm-hmm. one of the great cities of the world, Get up there, what, have a look. What kind of what kind of Manhattan are we drinking, Phil? One that says here Manhattan with whiskey, <laughs> so just the traditional the, and bitters. Ah, uh, the yeah. traditional. So American whiskey, which we call bourbon, often uh, out here. Rye. But, uh, We're drinking yes. rye. 
Oh, we can rye whiskey. Okay, nice. So you got okay, very good, Phil. Good by you. I think that was one yeah, of your better one, ones. Mate. Yep. Yeah. Devman, have you much. got a have you got a uh, a nice little trip for us to go to? A bit of dreaming? Well, once we're in the North American region, I thought we may venture a little further south and we'll find ourselves in Mexico. At Mexico, at the Mexico. El Camalayan Mayacoba Golf Club. Ah, we uh, love this I'm place. I'm sure you're very familiar with it because, one, they they offer up the finest Cuban cigars. That's the first thing. But <laughs> And for my personal preference, it's having having seen some of Australia's coastal uh, golf courses on, on our trip up to New South Wales, Shooter. I think we may have found one that tops the ones that we found. It runs along the the Mexican Caribbean Sea, and it's just it's just stunning views all, all the way along. It's pretty yeah, spectacular. It's isn't it? So yeah, it's it's a it's a place certainly on my list to to visit. Double story resort cottages with waterfront views and just just a lot of green, a lot of tropical green, similar to probably the, the colours we see in northern Queensland. Just just a beautiful. A beautiful track. Greg Norman design tracks. Nice. From memory, they, is that where they have the cave, yes. the, that massive yeah, cave, cave bunker, bunker as well? Yes, yeah, that's you, cool. You, the first time you'll be happy to be in the sand is is, is whacking out of that thing. Yeah, it's, it's amazing. <laughs> you can go into the cave and have a have a dive in there. Don't, you know what that's called, Phil? Spelunking. Just thought I'd give you a little bit oh, of knowledge. I thought you were going to mention the bats, Domo. Oh, no, I'm staying well clear of bats. Oh, my God. No. Too soon, too soon. That's nice, nice, Dave. Did you have anything we're going to drink there or eat? Have you, have you uh, I, gone well, that far? I, just, I, I don't go. I don't go. I don't go. Well, Burritos. they do offer Mexican cuisine, but they offer also offer a and fine, tequila, open fine Done. open grill. There is there is an open grill with some some delicious meats, which uh, you you had me at meats basically. <laughs> It, it's it's actually a pretty it, you know what it's probably a place you go just for the golf let alone everything else pretty ma- yeah. magical part of the world for sure. Although the description of the <laughs> meats was outstanding, Dave. Yeah. Um, <laughs> meats. I don't discriminate. I'm happy with any meat that's served to me. Well, <laughs> on that on that note, we'll move we'll move uh, over to my golf dreaming for this week, and I'm I'm taking us over to Francais to Terre Blanche. Which is a stellar resort in Provence, or how do you, how would they say it? Provence in France. Provence, Provence. Just a forty minute drive from from Cannes Can. or Cannes Can. in Cans. the uh, in the southeast of France. So France. we could get there. So we could get there and uh, watch one of Dav's films, <laughs> eh? And then ping on down for a relaxing holiday out to this uh, this magnificent resort. It has two golf, two championship tracks, Phil. The Le Chateau, not the Chateau de Verdeflor, but just Le Chateau and Le Rio. So they're the two. I so haven't said that well. But the, the Le Chateau is a demanding championship style course, which rewards sort of more precision and length, which is so it's obviously not really a course for you. But it also has some spectacular water hazards there. And it's one of Europe's best ranked courses going around. Then there's the Le Rio which is set on a hillside, sort of overlooking hilltop villages, medieval-style villages, really, really cool. That's a very technical course that rewards sort of more strategy, more of a thinking man's kind of kind of layout. So, again, not really for you, Phil, but either, either way, pretty good, pretty good fun on the tracks. You'll enjoy the golf. There's no doubt about it. We're going to stay at the five-star hotel there, the Terre Blanche Hotel, hang out by the infinity pool there. They've got this massive infinity pool with just magnificent views, so it's one of the most relaxing hotels you're going to find. For dinner- this is going to have Dav Dav absolutely excited. We're having an eight-course dinner 
Dev in the Michelin starred restaurant. It's called Le Faventure, and it's only 370 euros each for us boys. So that's going to (laughs) be. And while we're there, we're going to head down to the tasting session and cigar. um, Have a cigar down there in the wine cellar. Now this is no ordinary wine cellar, boys. This has 400 different wines with a wide, wide range of vintages from Bordeaux, Burgundy, and the Rhone Valley, as well as some of the best Provence wines. So, do you think I'm going to be pretty happy down there? Yes, there indeed. You won't uh, come back out, Damo. We'll never see you again. It'd be a good way to go. That's all I'm going to say. And while we're down there, we'll snack on some caviar, some some premium sardines, some cold meats, Dav, which is different to your meats, but cold <laughs> meats, and so- some peppers. Wonderful place. I'd love to love to get the Terra Blanche. I enjoy um, meats resort. of all temperatures. Shoot it, so <laughs> <laughs> excellent. And, and sorry to say, Philip, but I think we've run out of time for your history lesson this week. You're going to have oh, to put it over until was- next week. I think if they haven't nodded off yet, you're going to certainly put them to sleep. So we'll wait for next week. And on that note, that brings Tenuous Links Golf Podcast to a close. Thanks again, gents, for the stimulating chat today. Again, with a less than perfect setup. Special thanks to today's sponsor, Ping, one of the game's great manufacturing families and loyal supporters of Golf Barons. Speaking of, be sure to watch our new golf show, Golf Barons Season 1. It remains the perfect way to procrastinate while stuck in self-isolation and a great way to introduce the kids to the game we all love. Hop on over to baronslife.com to get access. Thanks again for listening, Barons. Stay safe, stay healthy, and stay home. And don't move your head. Keep your head down.